God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. So I got some news. Um, I tested positive for COVID, and uh, that was a, kind of a shock to me. I just never thought I would get it. And um, uh, so I was in a function over the weekend at some event, and, <clears throat> and uh, what happened was on Tuesday night, uh, I uh, heard, I, well, I heard you know, on Monday and Tuesday that this event turned out to be like a super spreader, like 16 people uh, got COVID, right? And so there was a notice put out, you should get yourself checked. So on Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, uh, Tuesday evening, I uh, tested myself. And I used the Binax Now Instant Abbott uh, test, and I was negative. And I thought, great, I'm negative, <laughs> I'm invincible. And uh, <clears throat> and then what happened was, uh, the next day, I started feeling. Yesterday, Wednesday, uh, I started feeling. Uh, ill, you know, like a little bit like a fever, um, just uh, fever and feeling like, wow, I just got tested last night and it was negative, but I think I might have gotten COVID, you know, I don't know what that's about, but okay. So I test myself with another packet, like another version. And this one is Quidel. And you put it in a tube and the whole thing. And it came back with a faint red line. And it was like, oh, okay, there's a blue line, a, a red line. And it was a faint red line. And next thing you know, I was like, all right, maybe that's a false positive. All right. So I went and got another brand, the Binax uh, Abbott test, which I had. And uh, I tested myself there and it came back strong like positive like two lines 
you know, the whole ball of wax. So I got COVID. I can't believe I got COVID. I can't believe I'm telling you that right now, but that's uh, what what has happened. And I only am going to share this with you because a lot of people, you know, are kind of like curious who have never gotten COVID. And right now my fever was, you know, like 99 point something or uh, it got up to 100. And, you know, I have this headache and you can hear my voice a little bit. Um, but for the most part, I felt good enough to do this show, and so I'm doing it. Um, and I thought I would share this information with you. Not that I think anything bad's going to happen to me or anything like that. I just wanted to share the experience to tell you how things went, you know, for me. And uh, and I just I kind of find it a little bit interesting, you know, that this late in the game, uh, all of a sudden I'm, uh, you know, I. Never, uh, and here's the thing I'm not vaxxed, so I'm not vaccinated, and I never got COVID. And I don't know hardly anybody that ever got COVID personally. You always hear about these people saying, Yeah, so and so got COVID, so and so, so and so, and so and so, and so and so, but no one in my immediate circle ever got COVID that I know of. And and then here it is boom, boom. <laughs> I got it. So today, you know, um, earlier in the week, I did a show and I did a show uh, where it did not connect. And uh, one of the things I played on that show was a clip from Bill Maher talking about culture. And I had reservations about playing it because he's a little bit edgy, you know, he's a little bit uh, crazy. But it's a fairly long clip. It's about nine minutes. I am going to play that clip today because I'm not feeling well, and I'm going to go ahead and play that again. Now, this played on, uh, I think it was Tuesday or Monday. I I forget which day. Um, But in any case, uh, one of the days, I didn't even go live. It was like talking into an empty mic. You know, after I did the show and I go and hit the save button and all this, that, and the other, right? It was one of these things where I'm like, oh, Tourette's. <laughs> I just spent the last hour of my life talking into an empty mic. And that was uh, kind of uh, unfortunate. But And I put together a pretty good show, too. That, that's what hurts the most. And it didn't even get recorded because it was just I had a technical malfunction. The technical, mal- technical malfunction was me. I, I made a mistake. Um, but in any case, um, we are going to play... Uh, that one clip because I just think it's brilliant and I want to share it with you and I think that what's going on today in our society is a cultural problem. I mean, we have the globalist movement in uh, on full display in Davos. We have Biden uh, politicizing uh, gun, gun rights and, you know, doing basically what Beto O'Rourke did and it's just, it's a knee-jerk reaction. It's, it's a, uh, it's a weak, weak-minded, non-critical thinking kind of uh, thing to do because but gun gun ownership is down. Number one, uh, over the last say ten years, our percentage of gun ownership is down by about ten percent. And in addition to that, um, the cities that have the strongest gun control have the highest gun violence. And we're seeing violence all across the board. And the shooting in Buffalo and the shooting in in, uh, 
in Texas, it, these shootings involve crazy people. Where there were signs, and you can say, well, you should have caught that, and maybe we should have, and maybe we shouldn't have caught it. You know, who knows? But I will tell you, it's a broader thing than even that. Because we can't just be chasing our tail all the time. And if it wasn't for a guy with a gun, a good guy with a gun, there would have been more bloodshed. And we know that. So it's not the gun, the gun or the car. You know, like I said yesterday, the, in Waukesha, Wisconsin, you know, because it was a black man that wanted to kill a bunch of white Christians on Christmas in a Christmas parade, the mainstream media covered it and said the car ran into the people. It wasn't the driver. It wasn't the mentally deranged driver. It was the car. But now, you know, of course, it's the gun. And we have to get rid of that. We have to hold people responsible. And where there are situations where um, we could look at and see what their underlying needs are or problems, instead of censoring and focusing on political censorship on social media, we, we really ought to look out for people who are showing signs of mentally, mental, mental disability. And in a, in a fractured society like we have, um, you're going to get a lot more of that, and we should ramp it up. But instead, you know, like Big Bird de Blasio, when he was mayor of New York City, his wife had this thing called Thrive NYC. Well, they just fleeced the taxpayers out of a billion dollars over the course of eight years. And they had nothing to show for it because there are wild maniacs all over the city subways right now wreaking havoc and terrorizing uh, pedestrians or people, travelers, commuters. And, and then there's the COVID thing. And like uh, Tucker says in the clip that we're going to play here today, it's not, it, you know, we're not blaming Fauci, but we could if we were acting like a liberal we could blame Fauci for the lockdowns that caused the mental disorders that are causing people to commit suicide and pull, uh, take matters into their own hands. We could also look at the games like Call of Duty. It turns out that the kid in Buffalo or maybe the kid in Texas, they were playing these Call of Duty shoot 'em up games, first-person shooter games and things like that. And we really need to do a better job, I think, with that. We need to figure out what it is. You know, too much, and, and believe it, believe me when I tell you, Apple and Samsung have all this data. <clears throat> because you know, if you have an iPhone, and I have an iPhone, it tells you how much screen time, how much, how much time you spent looking at Twitter, how much time you spent looking at Facebook, how much time you spent looking at a browser, how much time you spent looking at your email address. Email, um, just email program and all of that time they got it down to a science and the thing is is that too much of that screen time disassociates us with human contact and I really think that we need to somehow figure out you know they're so quick to say wear a mask and <laughs> I'm one to talk right wear a mask or or uh, social distance they're they're so quick to tell you what to do when it comes to their globalist agenda. 
of converting vaccine passports into social credit score systems on a globalist scale, like we're seeing unveiled in Davos uh, right now. Um, They're so quick to tell us about these types of things. They really ought to have a a campaign. Instead of giving $40 billion to Zelensky and all of his ilk and corruption, we really ought to... We really ought to um, spend more time researching how we can actually um, improve our mental health. Because I think our mental health is being deteriorated to the core, rotten to the core, by the things we say on social media. You know, it was Barack Obama that just brought up the Uvalde, uh, Texas shooting. And he also brought up the second anniversary of George Floyd, you know, the porn star up in Minnesota that actually, you know, did drugs for a living and is now being rewarded by statues going up everywhere. But yet they want to tear down Jefferson and Washington and the founding fathers because they want to erase your history. They want you to lose your identity. They want to open your borders and they want multiculturalism to the point where you won't even know who you are anymore. It's crazy. And why people can't see it is beyond me. So today's show is is really a lot about culture. And it's a lot about the uh, underlying issues that are causing these things. It's not the gun. There are a lot of good people with guns that never do what was done in Buffalo and in Texas. It is about mental health. And we have, we, have, we have been irresponsible with the gadgets and the tools that we've been given. And they're not making our life any better. They're, they're creating a huge demand because we live in a capitalist society that there's no limit to how much we can do. And the competition is fierce. And no longer do we get to sit back and smell the roses and and uh, talk with the neighbor. And, you know, it's just it's a different world. And digital is one of the pro- problems of that world. We're being turned into a one and a zero, like in computer land, right? Ones and zeros. We're being converted into digital pieces, And like yesterday, when I played all those clips from Davos, and they're talking about ingesting a pill that dissolves, and then you can actually, it'll send a little beacon up, and and the guy from Pfizer was like, and that's compliance. We get to know whether the person cheated or not while taking the pill that they're supposed to take. You know, vaccine passports and social credit score systems to control what the banks will lend you based on your social credit value, based on what you've said, who you support. And it's on and on and on with that. You know, the fallout from kids wearing masks in school and being forced to uh, disassociate and keep their distance and these virtual Zoom calls, these screens that we look at all the time are making us less than human. And we 
you know, if this person had more interaction with humans, and this is why I think that it goes to parental guidelines, people need a male figure in their home. The reason why black crime is up is because of the single parent home incentives that were created by the civil rights programs that said you get more money per household if you're a single mother and things like that. And we need to change all that. We need to stop meddling. The government really needs to stay out of people's way and support liberty and justice and freedom like we used to instead of wanting to control and suggest that somehow these smart academics in Davos and these uh, highfalutin government officials know best when they don't. They absolutely don't. And that's why social media has hijacked censorship because the smartest people in the world, the best quotes I've ever read, have been on social media by the average Joe. The best and most smartest people in the world are your neighbor. Some, they say some of the darndest things. They say some of the most smartest things. You know, when they're in their comfort zone, they're just shooting the crap and talking about issues. There's a lot of smart people out there. And we can't just leave it in the hands of these people that, like a Beto O'Rourke, hijacks this meeting to politicize the Texas shooting. This guy's never held a job in his life. You know, neither is Chuck Schumer. Neither is Chuck Schumer. So, in any case, um, we're going to go ahead and play this uh, Tucker Carlson clip. It's actually kind of long. Again, I got COVID, um, so I'm not feeling great right now. I have a headache. My throat is, you know, I feel like I want to cough right now, but I'm not. Um, And I'm just going to weather the storm and see what happens. But, um, in any case, let's take a listen to Tucker Carlson. This is from uh, May 25th. Uh, He's talking about the shootings and he's talking about the culture. He's talking about the things that we were just talking about here. I I thought it was a brilliant open and uh, as only Tucker Carlson could do. So let's take a listen. Um, But first, I got to make sure. Yep. Okay, we got it. All right, here we go. Past 10 days, two separate teenage boys have committed horrifying massacres in public places. On May 14th, 18-year-old Peyton Gendron murdered 10 shoppers in a grocery store in Buffalo. And then yesterday, 18-year-old Salvador Ramos killed 19 small children and two teachers at an elementary school in Texas. Both Gendron and Ramos were very obviously mentally ill. The people around them knew that. Both killers had told other people they planned to commit a mass shooting, and then they did. So what can we learn from this? Well, the first most obvious answer is that the system in place didn't work. Gendron's teacher sent him to a mental hospital for evaluation. They knew he was a threat. They tried their best. He committed a massacre anyway. So we know for a fact that what we're doing isn't working. But we should also be honest enough to acknowledge that it's very hard to know what to do instead. Despite what you may have heard, the problem isn't that we don't care enough. There's not a person in this country who is not horrified by the sight of murdered children. It's the worst thing, and everybody thinks that. The problem is that the human mind is much more complex and harder to control than we like to admit. 
A person who is intent on committing violence is very hard to stop under any circumstances. An act of Congress isn't going to do it. Neither will gun control. There are more guns in this country than there are people. There always have been. However you feel about that fact, you can acknowledge that we will never get rid of all of those guns. The Constitution prohibits that, and you would set off a civil war if you tried to do it. So gun control, whether you find the slogans appealing or not, will not stop the next patron Gendron or Salvador Ramos, and every rational person knows it. The only way to stop these killings is to figure out why American society is producing so many violent young men. There is a reason they are acting this way. What is that reason? And it's not just mass shooters, by the way, the ones you see on television. It's gangbangers and carjackers and armed robbers and indiscriminate haters who push strangers in front of subway trains. We have a lot of people like that in this country all of a sudden, more than you like to think about. Why are they acting this way? That's the only question that matters. Of course, it's the only question our leaders hate to address because there's nothing in it for them. Last night, the President of the United States went on television just hours after 19 small children had been murdered. He didn't do that to uplift or unite the country, which was already united in its sorrow. Instead, he took the opportunity to once again harangue anyone who didn't vote for him. And he did it, as always, with a series of stale talking points left over from the 1980s. It was a shameful display. Here's part of it. As a nation, we have to ask, when in God's name are we going to stand up to the gun lobby? When in God's name we do what we all know in our gut needs to be done? What in God's name do you need to solve it for except to kill someone? Deer aren't running through the forest with Kevlar vests on, for God's sake. It's just sick. And the gun manufacturers have spent two decades aggressively marking assault weapons, which make them the most and largest profit. For God's sake, we have to have the courage to stand up to the industry. Children are dying because the gun lobby is profiting. It's disgusting, he would say something like that. It's also untrue. It's mindless. The New York Times, by the way, said the same thing within hours of the shooting. The gun lobby, please. The NRA declared bankruptcy last year. The NRA is a husk. In 2021, for example, the tech company spent more than $70 million lobbying Congress. Big Pharma spent $92 million lobbying Congress in the first quarter of 2021 alone. The NRA spent just $2.2 million total lobbying in all of 2020, a presidential election year. Spare us. Whatever the problem is, it's not the gun lobby. They're not the reason those children were murdered yesterday. It's insulting and divisive and stupid. This is too serious a moment for nonsense like that. Stop. But over at MSNBC, they were completely convinced. Watch. And again, as President Biden said, I thought he did an extraordinary job last night. And I really do. I feel sorry for those who actually saw that and were actually forced to say something really about him after he did it. I mean, that that's how they make their money. It really makes me really sad for them that they have that dark of a soul, that they're that twisted. Oh, Joe Scarborough said a naughty word on TV. This must be serious. And in fact, it is very serious. In fact, it's too serious for tired partisan platitudes from the Reagan era. Update your profile. Politicians offering solutions to the tragedy that in the end serve only to make their political party more powerful should be excluded from this conversation. It is too important. They are speaking in bad faith, obviously. 
And so is anyone whose bodyguards carry extended magazines or other so-called weapons of war. They're hypocrites. They have no standing. Get back to us when you follow your own demands. And anyone on TV who's been accused of a crime should also take this opportunity to be very quiet. No one wants a moral lecture from you. But unfortunately, that's essentially all we're getting. More wind at a time when we need more than that. Beto O'Rourke is running for office again because he has no marketable skills. Just stormed a press conference to berate Texas officials. He did this in front of the families of some of yesterday's victims. Watch. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. Sit down. I don't like this. Next shooting is right now, and you are doing nothing. No. You need to get his out of here. This isn't the place to talk this over. This is totally predictable. When you, sir, you're out of line. Sir, you're out of line. I'm sure you are out of line. Please leave this auditorium. I can't believe you're a sick son of a bitch that would come to a deal like this to make a political issue. It's only like you. Why don't you get out of here? Oh, come on. That's saving lives? That's making this a better country? Beta Rourke sounds like one of those lunatics from the Westboro Baptist Church gets off on making a scene. But that's essentially the answer we've gotten to how to fix and prevent what happened in Uvalde. <sighs> Please. Anyone who talks like this should be quiet for a minute and leave it to everybody else to figure out why this is happening. And this is bigger than a single mass shooting or even two of them in 10 days. There's been a huge increase in violence in America, on our streets, on public transportation, in our schools. It's not a guess, it's measurable. From January 1st to April 10th of this year, robberies in the New York transit system are up more than 70% year over year. Felony assaults in the subway have increased by 28%. Grand larceny, according to the NYPD, is up by more than 100%. Those are all crimes of violence. And that's just underground. The same thing is happening on the streets. And if you don't know it, you just got back to the country after a while. According to ABC News, quote, about 11% of violent crime in the city of Los Angeles involved a homeless person in 2018, 13% in 2019, and 15% in 2020. If that was a graph, it would look like that. Keep in mind, the homeless make up about 1% of the total population of Los Angeles, but they're involved in nearly a fifth of all violent crimes in the city. Oh, but ignore it. It's not happening. And yet everyone who lives here knows that it is happening because the numbers go up every year. And if you have kids, you know what's happening because it's the same story in the schools. The executive director of the National Association of School Resource Officers, Mo Kennedy, told Fox Business that schools are, quote, seeing more aggression in terms of fights. Sometimes they're shoving matches and sometimes they're flat out assaults. It's more misbehavior, thefts, and those kinds of things in schools. It didn't used to happen. It's happening now. Why? It's not guns. It's not the gun lobby. More American families had guns at home 50 years ago than they do now. According to the Rand Corporation, which studied this, 45% of American homes had a gun in 1980. In 2016, that had dropped to 32%. So the problem is not that we're more armed than we were. The problem is that people have changed. Young men have changed. They're more violent. Why? That's the bipartisan conversation we need to have now. And that conversation has been drowned out by lunatic attention seekers who are hoping to win the next election. But we don't need them now. Never mind your election. There's something really wrong. And we can figure it out if we try. There are probably a lot of causes. The use of antidepressants in this country is increasing dramatically. Between 1991 and 2018, total SSRI consumption increased in the U.S. by more than 
percent, 3,000 percent. Remember, these are supposed to reduce mental illness. Now, that's a real stat. It was published by the medical journal Science of the Total Environment. And it's not just this country. In Canada, state-funded antidepressant prescriptions for young people doubled over the last decade. Then, during the lockdowns, SSRI prescriptions increased even more. A pharmacy group called Express Scripts reported that antidepressant prescriptions went up by more than 20% during COVID. According to the latest figures, more than 40 million Americans are now taking psychoactive drugs. That's roughly one in 10. So again, the point of these drugs is to make you healthier mentally, to reduce suicide and violence. And yet suicide rates and rates of violence are spiking. Now, we don't know that that's causation, but it's worth looking at. Of course, it's immoral to criticize big pharma, but could we use an honest conversation about this? Yes, immediately. Clearly something's going on. Watch. Three major medical associations, including the American Academy of Pediatrics, have together declared a national state of emergency in children's mental health caused by COVID. Parents report grief, anxiety, and depression among children citing school closures and forced isolations as the primary culprits. Suicide attempts among adolescents are rising sharply, most acutely among 12 to 17-year-old girls, by 51% since the start of the pandemic. Oh, so the lockdowns dramatically increase the incidence of mental illness among young people, and in 10 days we've seen two mass shootings by mentally ill young people. Could there be a connection? Now, that's not finger-pointing. It's not to blame Fauci for yesterday's shooting. We're not that low. We're not Joe Biden. But if people are becoming mentally ill because they're disconnected from others, what can we do to connect them to others and thereby reduce the incidence of mental illness? That's a real conversation. Is there a more important one? Meanwhile, more than 100,000 people just died of ODs. And the pandemic is responsible for some of that. Watch. New numbers out today from the CDC show how drug overdoses have surged during the pandemic. More than 107,000 Americans died of drug overdoses in 2021. That's the highest annual death toll ever recorded and a 15% increase from the year before. Deaths involving fentanyl, meth and cocaine rose sharply. Okay, so people are doing more drugs, they're more unstable, they're killing themselves more often, and in some rare cases, they're killing others. Now, what kind of mindset would it take to go murder children in an elementary school? You are so disconnected from other human beings that that seems okay to you. What could be adding to the feeling of disconnection we have from one another? Well, in 2020, adults in the United States spent an average of eight hours every day on digital media, staring at a screen. The lockdowns made it worse. They're not the only cause, but they definitely exacerbated it. That's a 20% jump from 2019. One of the people who spent an awful lot of time online during the pandemic was the shooter in Uvalde. He reportedly played a lot of Call of Duty instead of going outside. The shooter in Buffalo also spent a lot of time online as well. In fact, he blamed the internet for radicalizing him. I spent almost a year planning this attack, he wrote on April 26th. Oh, how time flies. If I could go back, maybe I'd tell myself to get the F off 4chan and the World Truth videos and get an actual life. Too late for that now. Now, that's not an argument for censoring those or any other sites. It's an argument for experiencing real life, nature, other people, animals, anything but a screen. Staring at a screen all day puts you into your own world. And in some small number of cases, it drives you insane. It makes you mentally ill and violent. That's very obvious. That's one of the reasons that people in Silicon Valley, the tech executives, don't let their own kids lose themselves in their stupid iPads. 
Back in September of 2013, after a mass shooting at the Washington Navy Yard, the late Charles Krauthammer identified the problem. We have a lot of mentally ill people, and we need to stop ignoring them. Obviously, we've ignored that warning, so here it is again. He needed help. 30 years ago, the cops would have brought him to a psychiatric emergency room. He probably would have gotten antipsychotics, and he probably would, would have been hospitalized for a couple of weeks. That's the way it was done in the 70s when, when I practiced psychiatry. But today, that doesn't happen. The cops left. He was left on his own. He was a man who shouldn't have been on his own. He should have had the state looking after him, and he ended up killing people in a way that's, look, you want to respect the civil liberties of everybody, but there is a point in which if you don't take control of people who are clearly out of touch with reality, you are damaging them, exposing them, and of course, tragically, exposing a lot of uh, innocence around them. Yeah, exactly. The stuff is complicated. The human mind is complicated. And if the environment changes, so does the mind. If people can't go outside or talk to other people or spend eight hours a day staring at a screen, if they're on brain-changing chemicals in huge numbers, tens of millions of people, you think that has an effect? Yeah. What effect? Well, is anyone studying what murderers, not just mass murderers, but all murderers have in common? Apparently not. It would be nice to know. And so they're telling us about the gun lobby. Please, no one believes that. And why, by the way, is the answer to mass shootings always universal gun confiscation? Shouldn't we be focused on the people who did it, on the dangerous people? It's like forcing the entire population into drug rehab in response to the fentanyl crisis. Probably better to focus on the addicts. Why did they get addicted? How can we help them? Let's be serious about this. Children died. It's real. Stop with the talking points. Be honest. Jason Whitlock is always honest. He's those two. So there it is, and uh, I just thought he hit every single salient point on that, uh, this topic. That's where it is. It's not, it, well, it's, it's, it's so not, it's not the gun lobby or it's not, you know, confiscating guns that solves that problem because there, there are um, statistics, Chicago, for example, um, has the highest gun violence, and yet they have the strictest gun laws. So you know, it's 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 a cultural thing too, and we have to we have to do more. Well, we have to we have to um, value and incentivize family uh, first and foremost. Hungary, for example, uh, was given incentives for uh, families when they have their first child. They would give them something like $35,000 toward their first child. And, you know, there were certain requirements. But for the most part, they'll get a return on that investment in no time flat. Because that child grows up in Hungary, loves his country, and in turn gets a job, works, and pays well over $35,000 in taxes taxes, broadening and increasing the tax base, allowing the government to do more good work. And instead of giving the $40 billion, like I said, to Ukraine or something like that, just throwing money away, uh, we really need to invest in understanding what it is that our human minds are going through. And the statistics, once again, the pharmaceutical companies are responsible. I, I've known people that have been on Zoloft and 
and uh, different different mind, you know, different antidepressant drugs. Uh, they call them psychoactive drugs. I uh, I just don't think they're healthy. And just like morphine, you know, which everybody knows, I've been through a um, a major, you know, spine surgery, you know, last year, and um, I'm still recovering. You know, I'm, I still have uh, what's called paraparesis, which is uh, if you look that up, it's uh, it's it's uh, some dysfunction in both my legs still, um, but which I'm trying to uh, get my legs fully back. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a partial paralysis is what it is. And, and, uh, so the situation is, is that, um, the morphine was hard to get off of. I, I have to tell you, I was, and it came in like a, the, uh, getting off the, uh, getting off these opioids wasn't easy and it wasn't what you thought. Like it wasn't, you didn't get the shakes or anything. It just sort of, and I wasn't on that long. But when I finally got off of you know some of these killer pain pain meds, it wasn't easy. It made me uh, irritable. It gave me anxiety. My whole body sort of ached a little bit, and it was just one of those things where you're like, "What's going on? Is that one of the withdrawal symptoms?" And I, you know, I I was I had these conversations with friends and family, and they told me, "Yeah, I think it is." And I'm sure I think it is, you know. And so these drugs have a negative impact. I mean, what what opioids have done to our culture, you know, with doctors giving out these drugs willy-nilly, they're highly addictive. Now, I'm fortunate. I knew the danger of these, and I got off of it. I, You know, I was not, not going to get get into a habit. You know, I made sure I got off of that, you know, because I knew that that problem could be bigger than me and it could eat me alive. I think uh, Rush Limbaugh had that addiction. So many people that we've known in, in, uh, you know, in the media have had stuff like that happen. But I've had friends that have been on this Zoloft or some psychoactive uh, drug or antidepressant drugs and getting off of it, their hands would shake and getting off of it could you know, make them more suicidal because it's like a, a rubber band, you know, stretching one way and then stretching another. And it's that, you know, it's that kind of depth of low, uh, the low depth uh, when you come off of that drug could have detriment, you know, life-threatening results. And I, I just don't think that our pharmaceutical companies are doing the right thing by people. I don't think they did the right thing during the pandemic. I don't think that they have your best interest at heart. I think that they're, they're you know, if you just look at the amount of profit, you know, like he was talking about the gun lobby, NRA is bankrupt. They spent $2 million during an election year, but they didn't spend, but the, um, Pharmaceutical companies spent fifty something million dollars in in a in a first quarter. You know, I mean, they're they have more money than they should ever have. Why are they profiting? And of course, it's because they have a monopoly. You know, this isn't free market competition anymore. This is a rigged system. The pharmaceutical companies are the biggest donors. Them and Silicon Valley, and guess what? They happen to both be radically liberal too. 
because they want to control you. So we got the dr- open borders leading to the drug overdoses. We got the lockdowns and masks and human expression has just been deleted. We got the cancel culture, tearing down statues and forgetting our, our history, you know, erasing our history, I should say. And we don't even know who we are anymore. And we're just fighting online, saying things like Barack Obama said about George Floyd, comparing that to to the Uvalde, Texas uh, uh, massacre. And it's just irresponsible behavior by very, very strong people that can make a difference and shape people's lives. And of course, the economic despair, the inflation, the actual fact that the gas prices are so high and people are watching their dollars tick up when they fill up their tank of gas and figuring out there goes there goes some uh, there goes the food I was going to buy you know what could you have done with the 100 dollar gas bill you know when it should have been 40 and it's 100 and what what could you have done with that 60 dollars how many loaves of bread i said this yesterday but i'm going to say it again think about all the food you could put on your table for the week with 60 bucks if you're you know creative Especially if inflation wasn't hitting us on every single aisle in the supermarket. You know? So we are in a bad place. And it's the leadership that brought us here. And so we, sh- we need all new leadership. And we need to be determined. Whatever happened in Georgia, I can't even explain it. Okay? To, to reelect to Kemp... You know, when he was, you know, part of the political corruption and he sold out to China. And I guarantee you one thing is going to happen. Stacey Abrams is going to win Georgia. I think a deal has been made there and there's just no chance that Kemp is going to win. And somebody said, well, nobody's going to vote for Federin, for for example, or nobody's going to vote for Stacey Abrams, who supports the Republicans. Yeah, but it's going to create a less enthusiastic turnout. So, you know, Oz has turned, out, uh, turned off a lot of people. They still can't even figure out who won Pennsylvania. The Oz is up by 900 votes, something like that, <clears throat> to McCormick. But um, it's one of those things where uh, it's going to impact the Trump turnout, the Trump enthusiasm, and that's going to pave the way for a victory to the other side. And I just think that the Georgia politics is so corrupt. I, I do. I mean, I, I don't know why they didn't do a better, more comprehensive uh, election reform, but these mail-in ballots are killing everybody. It's it's unfair. So we are going to go and listen to Bill Maher. Now, this Bill Maher, I played it the other day, but again, that show never got heard or recorded. And I thought this was so profound because this week I set out and I said, you know, this is going to be a week of... Globalism and culture, that's going to be the topics for my show for this week Um, because I'm very passionate about culture and I think it's the root of everything. And globalism is the evil, uh, the the scourge around the world. They're as bad as Hitler ever was, these, these globalists. But Bill Maher, and the reason why I think it's important is he's radically left. He says a few things that are um, racy in terms of... Uh, his dialogue later, like about two-thirds in, 
But I'm going to go ahead and play it because it's hard to edit that. And uh, uh, so just, you know, be patient with me on this because I think that the overall is worth hearing, even though a couple of things, you know, are a little bit racy in terms of, uh, you know, but just try to get your head past that and listen to what the guy has to say and realize that the importance of this is that it's coming from a liberal perspective told to a liberal audience. Let's take a listen. And finally, new rule. If something about the human race is changing at a previously unprecedented rate, we have to at least discuss it. Broken down over time, the LGBT population of America seems to be roughly doubling every generation. According to a recent Gallup poll, less than 1% of Americans born before 1946, that's Joe Biden's generation, identify that way. 2.6% of boomers do, 4.2% of Gen X, 10.5% of millennials, and 20.8% of Gen Z. Which means if we follow this trajectory, we will all be gay in 2054. (laughs) And then who's going to buy this chair? I'm just saying that when things change this much, this fast, people are allowed to ask, what's up with that? All the babies are in the wrong bodies? Was there a mix-up at the plant, like with Captain Crunch's Oops All Berries? (laughs) It wasn't that long ago when adults asked a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? They meant, what profession? In the wake of America about to lose abortion rights, the ACLU recently tweeted a list of those who would be disproportionately harmed by this. You would think women might top that list. No, wasn't even on the list. Second on the list was LGBT. Really? Abortion rights affects gay and trans people more than, you know, breeders? I'm happy for LGBT folks that we now live in an age where they can live their authentic lives openly. And we should always be mindful of respecting and protecting. But someone needs to say it. Not everything's about you. (laughs) And it's okay to ask questions about something that's very new and involves children. The answer can't always be that anyone from a marginalized community is automatically right, trump card, mic drop, end of discussion. Because we're literally experimenting on children. Maybe that's why Sweden and Finland have stopped giving puberty blockers to kids. Because we just don't know much about the long-term effects. Although common sense should tell you that when you reverse the course of raging hormones, there's going to be problems. We do know it hinders the development of bone density, which is kind of important if you like having a skeleton. (laughs) Fertility and the ability to have an orgasm seem also to be affected. This isn't just a lifestyle decision. It's medical. Weighing trade-offs is not bigotry. Yet when a book questioning the sudden uptick in transitioning children was released, a trans lawyer with the ACLU named Chase Strangio 
tweeted, stopping the circulation of this book and these ideas is 100% a hill I will die on. How very civil liberties of him. Chase, by the way, has just been named one of the grand marshals of this year's New York City Pride March, along with three other trans people and a lesbian. Huh, what's missing here? Oh, right, a gay man. That's where we are now. Gay men aren't hip enough for the gay pride parade. <laughs> Compared to trans, gay is practically cis, and cis is practically Mormon. <laughs> and this is a phenomenon we need to take into account when we look at this issue. Yes. Part of the rise in LGBT numbers is from people feeling free enough to tell it to a pollster, and that's all to the good. But some of it is, it's trendy. Penis equals man? Okay, boomer. (laughs) Remember, the prime directive of every teen is anything to shock and challenge the squares who brought you up. It's why nobody gets a nose ring at 56. And if you haven't noticed that with kids, doing something for the likes is more important than their own genitals, you haven't been paying attention. (laughs) Dr. Erica Anderson is a prominent 71-year-old clinical psychologist who is herself transgender and who now says, I think it's gone too far. The LA Times summarizes, she's come to believe that some children identifying as trans are falling under the influence of their peers and social media. If you attend a small dinner party of typically very liberal upper-income Angelinos, it is not uncommon to hear parents who each have a trans kid having a conversation about that. What are the odds of that happening in Youngstown, Ohio? If this spike in trans children is all natural, why is it regional? Either Ohio is shaming them or California is creating them. It's like that day we suddenly all needed bottled water all the time. (laughs) If we can't admit that in certain enclaves there is some level of trendiness to the idea of being anything other than straight, then this is not a serious science-based discussion. It's a blow being struck in the culture wars using children as cannon fodder. I don't understand parents who won't let their nine-year-old walk to the corner without a helmet, an EpiPen, and a GPS tracker. (laughs) And God forbid their lips touch dairy, but... (laughs) But hormone blockers and genital surgery? Fine. Talk about a nut allergy. I I guess penises are gross now, but (laughs) one might come in handy later on. (laughs) And if you're a man who wants to experience life without a pair of balls, you do not have to get surgery. You can get married. (laughs) I kid. Oh, we joke. (laughs) And never forget, children are impressionable and very, very stupid. 
Kids don't know why mom drinks every day or why dad has two cell phones. Maybe the boy who thinks he's a girl is just gay or whatever Frazier was. Maybe the girl who hates girly stuff just needs to learn that being female doesn't mean you have to act like a Kardashian. (laughs) Maybe childhood makes you sad sometimes, and there are other solutions besides hand me the dick saw. (laughs) And look, I'm sure the vast majority of parents do not take this lightly. And that is very hard to know when something is real or just a phase. And I understand being trans is different. It's innate. But kids do also have phases. They're kids. It's all phases. The dinosaur phase. The Hello Kitty phase. One day they want to be an astronaut. The next day you can't get them to leave their room. Gender fluid. Kids are fluid about everything. If kids knew what they wanted to be at age eight, the world would be filled with cowboys and princesses. I wanted to be a pirate. Thank God nobody took me seriously and scheduled me for eye removal and peg leg surgery. (laughs) All right, so that was pretty funny. You know who put that out? Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz sent that out, and I got wind of that, and I looked at it, and I said, you know what? He, you know, I understand there was some raciness in there, and I apologize for that. You know, I don't want to offend anybody. Um, but that's the best you're going to get from uh, Bill Maher. And uh, anyway, yeah, I thought it was uh, extraordinarily uh, valuable to, to hear that. Because I th- I've always said, I think, that our culture is moving too fast. This is what this importing of multiculturalism and just injection of multiculturalism is doing. I think we need to evolve naturally. Uh, and stop social engineering. Um, Anyway, that brings us to the end of the show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out magapack.org to support America First policies to make America great again. Also, check out mypillow.com and use Red State as your promo code and My Patriot Supply. Okay, you go to mps.scottadamshow.com. It brings you to my Patriot Supplies landing page for the Scott Adams Show. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.